0: Welcome everybody to Podcast Today for August 27th, 2016. I'm very sleepy. I got like three hours sleep last night and I'm working in a couple hours and like, ah. You know, it's one of those days where you wake up and you really just want to stay there forever. You don't ever want to get up. You just want to lie there until the end of time, staring at the ceiling, enjoying the nice warmth of your bed and the the happy dreams of dreamland. Where Kirby lives. Kirby lives in dreamland. I want to live with Kirby. He's pink and fluffy. And who doesn't like pink and fluffy things? Crazy people. That's who doesn't like pink and fluffy things. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix was a 2007 film, the fifth in the Harry Potter series. As we're getting toward the business end of things, Voldemort is back to life. They are denying his existence. Harry is having strange dreams. That's basically the plot of this film. (laughs) Harry's having odd dreams, trying to prevent the dreams, acting on the dreams because he's a bit of a dope. They never really pay that off because in this film it's like, oh, you have to stop letting Voldemort into your head that's one of the the key cruxes of the film is they then explore Snape a little further as well using that as a conceit but like even by the very last film he's still having Voldemort dreams he's still letting Voldemort into his head so it's very convenient it's like wait we still kind of need that link between him and Voldemort so he's he's not going to actually get Voldemort out of his head there wasn't much in the way of new casting for this film just the Bottom Carter playing Bellatrix Lestrange. She wasn't actually the first choice, interestingly. Helen McCrory, who went on to play Narcissa Malfoy, was actually first choice, but then she got pregnant and had to pull out. Though in fairness, Helen the bon Carter was very good in that role. She was, she, she embodied just the wide-eyed lunacy of that character. <laughs> also, apparently the family of Theo Walcott was in this film, and Theo was apparently due to appear, but he couldn't because, you know, he's a footballer and he has a real job. <laughs> he has things to do. I'm sure Arsene was like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah this this film starts with them being confronted by a bunch of dementors harry and dudley and you know they run away and they end up running into a really dark dank dangerous looking tunnel and it's like you were being chased by dementors why are you running toward somewhere that's really dangerous and close-ended that's not a very smart move harry you put your cousin in danger there Then leads to harry thinking he's going to be expelled but then he's not expelled but the Ministry are against Harry because he's slandering the Ministry and coming up with false tales about how Voldemort has returned. I did think that was a, a neat way to kind of get around the fact that this is the fifth book and you want to keep things going, or the or the fifth of eight films rather than the fifth of seven books. It's just like let's just have the Ministry pretend he doesn't exist. That's not bad. It's not a bad way to get around it. in this film, there's a scene right toward the start where they're flying on brooms, and they do the whole "Ooh, look, isn't it wonderful? Flying, it's amazing!" And I'm like, no, we get it. You know, we we we've, we've done this before. This is the fifth film. The the wonder and, and magic of flying is is, is kind of that's kind of done in the first film. <laughs> we don't really need to see that anymore. Another key to this film, because this is another one of those films that doesn't quite come together as a whole. I'm sure it probably does as a book, I haven't read these books in, in probably, I don't know, 10 years, well this book was, yeah, about 10 years probably. In the film, like, the 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 key of the, the film is that Dolores Umbridge has been brought in to bring order and reason to Hogwarts, which is quite fair, really, because, you know, the school's a mess, as I catalogued before, the school has serious security issues, and it is very, very dangerous for its students, so it's kind of kind of justifiable that you bring in someone to bring order to Dumbledore's chaos, kind of ease it out a little. The Dumbridge role is is very, it's kind of a fun role. She's over the top in her cruelty. Umbridge was played by Imelda Staunton very well as well. As I said before, the the casting in this franchise was tremendous. Really helped carry the franchise. You can't have bad films with this many good actors. Practically impossible. But yeah, Umbridge more felt like a, a comic relief villain at times, rather than kind of she's almost the key villain in this film i suppose bellatrix lestrange is technically but still the film is very much hung on Umbridge causing harry and co issues and then they create their own secret little hidden army which they call dumbledore's army which really which really feeds into all of the ministry's propaganda and you're like well you didn't think that one true did you guys if you were ever caught we continue to have slytherin be treated as basically dirt they're like you're bad guys it's just all of you. All of you are bad guys. Maybe that's why they all became Death Eaters. Maybe if you're not like treating them as if they're the worst of society, they might actually, you know, get along with people. What's the cause and effect here? Do they not get along with people because they're Slytherin, or do they not get along with people because you treat Slytherins badly? I also, had Luna in this film, but she she was weird. <laughs> She's the other new character introduced. Though the the Dumbledore's army does result in a pretty good training montage. And I am, I'm privy to a pretty good training montage, I, I, like, I like a good training montage, <laughs> thanks for a good film. Also, this was the, the, the pure exploration of the Harry and Cho relationship, which never felt right, at least in the films. Those were two actors that had no chemistry, maybe it was Cho's weird accent. Oh, Harry, I like you, except you're responsible for the death of my boyfriend and that's causing conflicting emotions Harry. But yeah seriously, she should be like hey, hey my M- Cedric died because of you. You, you, what, you didn't do anything. And now I'm I'm making out with you. Poor Cedric. <laughs> Can't catch a break even in death. It's also the the film where they increasingly drove home the the whole you and I are not so different stuff with Voldemort and Harry that they are they're two sides of the same coin in some respects and that in some ways Harry is very similar to Dom Riddle in terms of who he is and then obviously that becomes more and more of a thing. Harry's a horcrux in the very end. Spoilers if you're watching this along with me. <laughs> and then there, there's the key bit of this film. Basically the only important takeaway from this film more or less is Sirius died. And I think they, they made a very important change. Versus the books in the Death of Sirius, instead of him just being hit with a random curse and falling behind that veil thing, he's hit with a killing curse, and then he falls behind the veil, which I think is a more effective way of doing it. Because I was very confused when I heard the book. It's like, where's he gone now? Is he is he gone? I guess that that was kind of supposed to be the point that Harry was supposed to have some kind of hope that, you know, he he'd be back, and he's not actually dead, and so, somehow he can find him and bring him back to life. But as a reader, I was just like. What's this thing he's fallen behind? What, what's going on? I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah, so him actually explicitly being killed and then falling behind the veil is, I think, a better way to do it. I think it lands with a little more weight when they did it that way. As I said, this is another film. They're all good films. I don't think any of these films are bad films except for maybe one. We'll talk about that in a couple of films' time. But yeah, it is another one of those that didn't entirely come together. On Rotten Tomatoes, interestingly, it's the second lowest rated film of the series. It just, it it doesn't gel as a plot. It doesn't feel like there's that through line that really carries the whole thing together, which is what I liked most about Goblet of Fire. That film seemed focused and determined to tell its story. This seemed a little more meandering and, like, how is all this tying together? But yeah, none of these films are bad. They're just... Some of them are better than others. You can listen to new episodes of podcasts today every single day at soundcloud.com forward slash KK. You can subscribe on iTunes, search for the GWS network. You can also subscribe on YouTube or follow me on Twitter at Gary Kidney, GA or ETTKIDNUI. Thanks for listening and bye bye.